0: Our second reading this morning is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter five, verses one to fourteen, and if you are using the pew Bible, it's on the it's on page one thousand two hundred and ninety. The scroll and the lamb. Then I saw in the right hand of Him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel The Root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. This is God's word.
1: Thank you, Mui, for reading uh, that chapter for us this morning, Revelation chapter 5. And friends, as we uh, come and look at this chapter, let's uh, come to our God, seeking his guidance, his understanding of this word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you speak to our hearts through it as we gaze upon the splendor and majesty of the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God, as we gaze into the very throne room of God this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, as you know, um, it's good to be back on the pulpit, good to be back to preaching after a few weeks away. Um, It's nice to be refreshed as well. And uh, while we were away i um, we did go uh, to the Barrier Reef and uh, got into one of those big boats and uh, took us out into the Great Barrier Reef. now I'm not a very strong swimmer are we any any big swimmers here? Uh, just just slowly raise your hand no, it's okay <laughs> I'm, I'm not a very strong swimmer, so I put the they gave us the the, the or the swimwear and the flippers and the snow clean gear and all of that. And I'm thinking, man, how am I going to survive this thing? Anyway, the boat's right in the middle of the ocean there. And uh, and so people are jumping out from all sides. And here is Chris. Now I'm thinking, what should I do? This is, I'm going to go down here. How am I going to come up? The rest of the family is all over the place. I can't even see them. They are enjoying the good life anyway. So I went in as well, and I didn't go that far. I always kept my distance close to the boat so that just in case something happens, I can come back. But you know what? And if you've done snow clean and you've seen the Great Barrier for other places, it's a different world down there, isn't it? It's just magnificent. Actually, it's quite amazing. You put on the goggles and you see, oh, it's another world. It's absolutely stunning. And I wasn't able to see so much as the rest of my family did. They came and bragged to me, oh, you should have seen this and you should have seen that. And Well, I said, well, I saw what I saw and that was sufficient. <laughs> and so they thought they should give me some swimming lessons. So I'll be hopefully doing some swimming lessons so that next time I go, I'll be just saying goodbye to them and just go anywhere I want. The point of the matter is, you know, when you put those goggles on and you go down, you see things. Today, We are given a glimpse. We are not there in the throne room, in the presence of God right now. But through John, through the grace of God, through the spirit of God, we are given a captivating vision here. Right into the very presence, into the throne room of God. And we put on those spiritual goggles as it were. And we look as John explains what's going on. And we see a mighty world of reality right in the presence of the living God. And when I was preparing this and working through Revelation, I always stopped in the, <laughs> the preparation of, my, of the message, stop writing, i take some time out to go back, to reflect, to think, and I'm always amazed. When I come back to writing the text again, I think, God, you're just so awesome. And using guys like me to explain things that are beyond what any human can explain. And so we're given a glimpse today, again, into the very throne room of God. And the text speaks about a scroll. We're going to look at Revelation uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. Uh, just two points this morning. One is the scroll. And secondly, we're going to focus on the conqueror. Because what we see today is a conqueror as well. And that's why we sang, Yours be the glory, risen and Conquering son, well done. Alright? We see the conquering savior here. And we see this scroll that's been mentioned as well. And so, we're going to work our way through verses 1 to 8. Keep your Bibles open because we work our way through this passage. Yeah. John says, I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within, verses 1 to 4, and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. You see, friends, John continues to reveal to us, to God's church throughout the ages, what He was given to see. He tells us what he further sees in the very throne room of God. He tells us that he saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll. The words of the right hand. The right hand of God signifies strength, signifies power, signifies the powerfulness of our God in his right hand. And notice that this one who is seated on the throne is one who is sitting there. There is a throne room in heaven. And the one who is seated there is none other than God Almighty himself. The one on the throne is the God of heaven and earth, as we saw last time when we looked at Revelation chapter And let me refer to that passage very quickly. Revelation 4 verse 3. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Indescribable is this God. He governs. He rules. And nothing goes past him without his knowledge. And so, friends, we see here this morning that this God is enthroned. The psalmist describes him, for example, in Psalm 139, that he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and he is all-present. If you want to use the Latin phrase, you might use the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God, the omnipresence of God. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, and in His right hand He holds a scroll. Now, a scroll normally had writing on the smooth side of the scroll, on the inside, but this scroll, however, had writings on both sides, suggesting to us this morning that the scroll is completely filled. Now, we read of a scroll in uh, Ezekiel chapter two, nine, and ten. It's on the screen. When I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back. And there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. Notice, friends, in Ezekiel's vision, the scroll in the hand of God was not sealed, but was spread out before him. And now notice the contrast here with this scroll in John's vision. The scroll that John sees is sealed with seven seals. And we read of these seven seals of the scroll in Revelation chapter 6. Now, what is this scroll? What is it that's been written on it? What do we read? Well, this scroll could contain many things. It could contain his plans. It could contain his promises. It is a heavenly book that contains God's plan and also perhaps the destiny of the world. But I think that this scroll, my understanding and looking at the text in a wider context here, I think it gives us the idea that it gives us the whole or the future purposes of God. Depending on what has been written in this scroll when the seals are broken. And all this depends on someone who is able to break open the seals and unravel the plans and promises for of God for his people, his church, and this universe. Dr. Um, uh, William Enrichson, one of the great uh, theologians, puts it this way about the scroll. It represents God's eternal plan, his decree, which is all comprehensive. It symbolizes God's purpose with respect to the entire universe throughout all history and concerning all creatures in all ages and to all eternity. So, this scroll is the perfect plan of God, written for the entire universe and for its future. It's a revelation given to us in the book of Revelation. And so we read that this scroll had writing on both sides, as I mentioned. Nothing is missed out. Nothing has been left out of this scroll. And this scroll has seven seals, symbolizing completeness. And John is saying, Look at your Bibles in verse 2. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And angels shouting with a loud voice. And in verse 3, And no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. No one was worthy. Not one was worthy. To open it. And notice what happens to John. What does John do here? What's your text saying to us this morning? He's? He's weeping. Now remember friends, John is about in his 90s. Alright? John is in his 90s. He's banished in the island of Patmos. He is there because of his faith in Christ. And he's a 90 odd year old man. And I tell you, there's nothing more sad to see a man in his 90s weeping, right? Maybe not for you, but for me in an an Asian culture, I was always brought up to respect your elders. I remember once sitting down when there was a man older than me, uh, standing up at a function. My mother said to me, come on man, up. Give that guy, give that man a seat. Of course I obeyed and gave him the seat. We respect our elders, don't we? But to see a 90-year-old man weeping. That is sad. And yet John is weeping. He is crying. You see, he weeps because he knows that there will be no salvation. There will be no justice. Unless someone can fulfill the plan of God as revealed in the scroll. We think of Jesus himself. Remember Jesus wept. When? When Lazarus died. The shortest text they say in the Bible, he wept. But he wept again Some at another place. Remember in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. As he came into the place, he wept. Why did he weep over Jerusalem? He wept because of their unbelief. He wept because they had not trusted him. And as I was preparing this text, friends, I was thinking to myself, do we weep for the lost? When is the last time that you and I actually wept for the lost? When is the last time we prayed for someone perhaps in your family or a friend or someone else who does not know Jesus Christ? Do we weep for this world? Yeah? When we see and when we hear the things that's going on around us in this world, it is so scary but it is a lost world. Yes? Our great city of Melbourne is supposed to be one of the great cities to live in the world. And it's, I'm not putting this city down at all. I think we are so thankful to live in such a beautiful country like Australia. I said to Rose, we, we have traveled, by God's grace, more overseas than, we, than I have traveled actually in Australia. And I went to places like Port Douglas and I thought, wow, that is great. I actually see a coconut tree there. It reminded me a of Sri Lanka. Why well, do I need to go to Sri Lanka? I can sit in my backyard and see the, the, the palm trees with coconuts on it there. Fantastic. Such a great country we live in. But we also live in a place where there's so much of violence, isn't it? And brokenness, and sadness, and tragedy, and killings. And we ask ourselves, what is going on? It's weeping. And then, friends, oh, to all elders here this morning, verse 5, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more, John. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Oh, don't weep. Stop the weeping, John. Let me be an encouraging elder to you this morning. Let me show you, not this morning, but I'm just saying. Let me show you, John. Stop the weeping. There is someone beyond you, John. There is someone beyond me. And so, there is a lion who is mentioned. Look at that, friends. One of the elders, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, John is told by one of the elders uh, that this is the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David, who is worthy of opening the scroll. Now, what what comes up in our minds when we think about a lion? (laughs) A scary beast, right? You wouldn't want to go and pat a lion on its head. Good morning, lion. (laughs) How are you today? I don't think we'll ever do that. What? Because a lion is a majestic beast. It is the king of the jungle, if you want to say it. We think of the lion, and with the lion, Aslam, don't we? This is the conquering lion here of the tribe of Judah and takes us right back, friends. We will bring us right back into the Old Testament. And um, look at the phrase there in, in Genesis chapter 49. Judah is a lion's cub from the prey, my son you have gone up he stooped down, he crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until the tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of Of the peoples. You see, Judah is called a lion's cub. And here in Genesis 49, Jacob blessed his 12 sons and he singled out Judah as the tribe from which the ruler will come forth and the scepter will not depart from Judah. And so Jacob prophesies that this ruler will come from the tribe of Judah. And so we have the designation here in Revelation of Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And his lion-like characteristics assures his people, his church, that he is strong, that he is powerful, that he is fierce, that he is triumphant. That's the picture we get of Jesus. Not this meek and gentle, meek and mild. The lion. So what does that tell us, friends? You see, Jesus does not conquer... This world with a sword. Christians don't go out with a sword or with a gun to convert people, do we? I was listening to an interview recently with Dr. I think it was Mark Dury from uh, MST. Um, what? He was on on uh, been interviewed and uh, and and he was saying, you know, Christians don't retaliate. We don't take up arms. We don't. Preach violence. Our weapons are spiritual. Is that not the case? Because our Savior can open hearts. Our Savior can bring about salvation. The church stands up in the love of Christ for this world. You see the difference? That's what we see here. We stand with the lion standing behind us as a triumphant king. And do you believe that this morning? Do you? How is this lion king ruling your heart today? Do you stand in confidence this morning? Knowing that the lion king is there ever for us. The triumphant one, as we will see in a moment. He's called, he's the one who can conquer. He's also called the root of David. The root of David is mentioned only here in the Bible. And we can trace its root back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 10. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a sign, as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. You see, Jesus was born of David's line. King David was the greatest king of Israel. But a king greater than him came and that is Jesus. And so we see here in Revelation chapter 5, some rich and deep messianic connections of Jesus to the Old Testament, attesting to the fact of who Jesus is, the promised Messiah. Do you see that connection? The prophecy is now fulfilled. The Messiah has come. The messianic promises Came to fulfillment with Jesus coming into the world. All the Old Testament prophecies now stands in the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David. That's what we see here. John weep no more. Why? Because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. And so, friends... This lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lion-like character, assuring God's people that he is strong and fierce. He will deal with his enemies. He will execute his justice. Did you know that? That he is the righteous judge. We cry out for justice, don't we? Or don't you? When a crime has been committed, and we look at the, the, the... Look at the the judgments that's been given, meted out. And sometimes we say, well, what is happening? Where is justice in this world? A day will come when the righteous judge will make all wrongs right. This is Jesus. He will execute his judgment and no one will escape it. Revelation tells us that. He will be triumphant in fighting his enemies. How? Through his word and through his spirit. This is the line of the tribe of Judah. This is the one that we serve. This is the church that belongs to Jesus. Correct? I always think about that, friends. And whenever we come and we minister and we preach and we share the gospel and we pray, I always remind myself constantly, constantly, Lord, this church is yours and only you can make... An You can bless it. Only you can make us strong. No matter whoever comes onto this pulpit, unless you make us strong, Lord, we will not be. Unless you build your house here at St. Stephen's, we can't. We trust in him, the lion. And notice, friends, the elder says to John, this lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. And you might ask ourselves this morning, how has he conquered? Well, have a look at verse 6. Please, in your Bibles. What does verse 6 tell us? And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders John, come, come John see something between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw her anyone from the back saw her a lamb alright I saw a lamb standing As though it had been slain. Now this is kind of a paradox. This is kind of like, how could this be possible? With seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Now think about a lamb. When we lived in the country, in Nurat, I had a farmer, He's was a session clerk of the congregation. He still is such a great brother in Christ, a great friend. He had about 10,000 sheep. And I often went to his farm, believe it or not, I had the, I sat on the back of the ute, he was driving, we got the sheep dogs, and I thought, this is fun, man, this is fun, no seatbelts, nothing, all over the place, right, and the sheep are coming, come, go, 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 get those, and this guy, now, I must say, um, I love meats, I was not, I'm not particularly inclined to eat lamb, but sometimes I do, it's nice, but this guy always killed his lamb and sheep and kept there in this uh, cool room. Anyway, one day he said, if "You have little kids there at home, Chris. Why don't I give you a little lamb?" And so we brought this little lamb and it was in our backyard. And we had chooks and we had eggs. You can do that in the country, right? And the little lamb, ba 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 ba. I said, from that time on, don't eat lamb chops. You can't. There's no way, ba ba ba. And we fed it milk, the little bottle, I still remember that, the girls. Sean was still a bit too small to do it, feeding the milk. And and so they gave him a name, I forget the name. And after the lamb grew, we gave him back to the farmer. I don't know what happened to him. But we began to have an attachment with this lamb because it's so lovely, so beautiful, the little lamb. But here we have a picture, friends, of a lamb, Right? He saw a lamb as though it had been slain. And this lamb was unique as well. He had seven horns with seven eyes. Now the lamb had seven horns. A a horn is a symbol of strength and power in the Old Testament. Symbol of strength and power. You can look at Deuteronomy and so forth. Similarly, a horn is a symbol of strength and power throughout the book of Revelation. And as I mentioned previously, the number seven in the book of Revelation signifies fullness and completeness. Therefore seven horns signify complete power, seven eyes are the seven spirits and confirms that signifies the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So this lamb was no ordinary lamb. What a sight it must have been for John. And the question is why a lamb? Very quickly let me go through. Genesis chapter 22. You know Genesis chapter 22? Remember God called Abraham to sacrifice whom? His son Isaac. Remember that story? And so Isaac is gone, he's, he's got Isaac, he's got the boot, he's got everything, and he's taken Isaac up. And Isaac asks the father, Where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice? And Abraham, in obedience to God, takes his knife, he's tied Isaac there, and about to slay his son. And God stops him. And right there, in the thicket, there is a ram that's being caught. Now some people would say a lamb. Anyway, it's a ram. Whatever it is, is being caught there. And there's a sacrifice that's been provided by God. And and so the place is called God Provides. And God provided the, the, the ram at the right time as a sacrifice. Substitution is the idea. It should have been Isaac. The lamb is given. Exodus chapter 12. The Passover. Remember where God asked his people to kill the lamb without blemish and put some blood on the doorpost and the lintel and as the angel of, as God passed by he would not strike the homes that had the blood sprinkled on it. The Passover. And then John chapter 1. What a beautiful picture. John the Baptist. The next day he saw Jesus coming down toward him and said, Behold Who? The Lamb of God, John the Baptist. The point I want to make, friends, is that all of these references point to the way of the atonement for sin, which was heading towards a definite goal, the death of Jesus. And so Isaiah says this, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, and then, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Who is this lamb? It's Jesus. Do we see that? It's a lion of the tribe of Judah. It's a lamb who had been slain. but this lamb is now standing. How is it possible? How is it possible for a slain lamb to stand? You'd expect that lamb to be on, a, on its feet in a heap, right, but this lamb is standing. What's it saying, friends? That the slain lamb has now conquered death. The slain lamb has conquered sin. The slain lamb has conquered Satan and death itself. You know, while I was away on holidays, I took a bike regularly in the mornings for a bike ride for about an hour. I loved it. Going around Port Douglas, all that area. But every morning I used to go past a cemetery. If you've been there, you know that there's a symmetry there. Anyway, one morning I went there and I saw two young people, and I saw them having a phone in their hands, I'm thinking like they're walking through the graves. And think, what's going on here? Are they lost? Are they looking for? It? I said, is that their GPS or something? Then suddenly I realized it dawned on me it was the Pokemon Go. They were looking for Pokemon amongst the grave. I think that's that was what's happening. They said, yeah, this side, that side. I didn't strike on me at the time. I'm thinking, man. Anyway, the point is, I stopped and I used to read the epitaphs on the graves. It goes back to 1883, some of those graves. And some of those graves had biblical text on them. And I thought, what a revelation of the time that they lived at the time. The Bible, the scriptures meant a lot to them. You see, death, as you dry, as you write past, I think, one day, one day. And this Christ comes before that. I will be the late Ananda Christopher Siriweer dead. But thanks be to God that He has conquered the grave. Yes, and today I live. Not by my own strength, but by the power of the lion of the tribe of Judah. The triumphant Savior who lifts me up when I am down. Who gives me strength when I need it. Who gives me the power of His Spirit when I feel so alone. Who has died for me at the cross and who has been raised on the third day. That is done for you, friends. Has He not? And this triumphant Lamb. This lamb who was slain, who stands victorious as the risen Jesus, and is there with you every day, every moment, every step of the way. Yes! Amen! Is there an amen? Yeah. That's the Savior. That's our great God. The lamb takes the scroll. This lion is the only one who is worthy. This redeemer is both lion and lamb and he stands in the very center of the throne. Look at verses 7 and in verse 8 friends and he came, he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. We're going to look at aspects of that next week friends this morning as we wind up I want to say to you this morning on the basis of God's word that Jesus is our conqueror by ourselves we fail yes but by his grace we stand the picture is very telling the lamb who was slain has now been raised and so Colossians, Paul says, you have been raised with Christ and you are seated with him in the heavenly realms. Yes? Colossians chapter 3. Ephesians tells us that we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. How? Because the picture is telling the slain lamb stands and so it is with God's people. We may seem defeatist in this world, but we stand with the power of Christ. I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know whether there's a non-Christian here this morning. The Lord knows it. But if you are a non-Christian here this morning, and you don't know Jesus, and you're struggling, and you're asking the questions, friends, look, see, behold, believe, come to Jesus. And to those of us who know him, oh friends, like the elders, and next week we will see, it's only a response of worship. What a blessing, eh? So the question to you this morning, and let me refer to Romans chapter 8, very quickly, 37, 39. In knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors by ourselves. Is that what the text says? You might say, Chris, throw a tomato at you if you say that. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So friends, this morning, the question is, do you know this Lion, Lamb, Redeemer as your Savior? Are you delighting in this Savior? Are you enjoying the majesty of this great and awesome and powerful lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God? And you say, Lord, here is my life on the 31st day of July 2016. It is yours. It is yours. All the Christmas in July is finishing today, friends. Have you had that Christmas in July thing? I took my parents to a pub recently. And are the Christmas in July specials today finishes. I don't believe all this stuff, but it doesn't matter. The point is, today the 31st of July, where do you stand with Jesus? That's the issue. What a comfort this passage is for us. What an assurance to everyone who place their trust in the Lion, Lamb, Redeemer. Here is assurance. Be encouraged this morning. Be strengthened. As we live in this broken world with violence and terrorism around us. Let us be hopeful that our Lion Lamb Redeemer is in control. Is he yours this morning? Is he? I'll leave that for you to ponder. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this day. And if there is anyone, here, Lord, who does not know you today, may today be the day that they will know the Lion, the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God, the Redeemer King. And to us who know you, Lord, may our hearts be strengthened, encouraged, motivated by the Spirit of God. To live every day, every day, as a gift from you and for your service. Amen.